Welcome to the Alex Kennedy Podcast, which is brought to you by BasketballNews.com. We post new episodes every week, so be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today I'm joined by the one and only Gabrielle Union. She's a terrific actor who has starred in a ton of movies and TV shows. She's married to some guy named Dwayne Wade. She also has her own hairline, Flawless by Gabrielle Union, a children's book titled Welcome to the Party, and Bitsies, which are healthy snacks for kids. Gabrielle, thanks for joining me. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. I appreciate you doing this. I know you're really busy. I want to start by discussing how you got your start as an actor. Growing up in Nebraska, when did you first realize that you wanted to uh, become an actor? Yeah, I'm still I'm still waiting to to, to discover that I want to become, <laughs> I want to become an actor. No, I, uh, I I grew up wanting to be a lawyer. Like my older sister uh, had dreams of being a lawyer. I, you know, as her little sister, I thought that was the coolest thing you could be was a lawyer. So uh, that's what I thought I wanted to do. And uh, I was at UCLA um, as a sociology major. Um, studying for the LSATs, and I got an internship at a modeling agency in LA. And uh, while I was at UCLA, and and when my internship ended, they asked if I wanted to be, you know, one of uh, their models. Um, and I was like, "What? You think someone would pay me to stand around?" <laughs> um, and they're like, "Yeah." Uh, you can make as much as $120 a day. And I was like, I'm rich, bitch. <laughs> so I, uh, I kind of, you know, jumped at the chance to, you know, to, to try modeling. Cause you know, I've, as a, as a, as a teen with low self-esteem, I, uh, I always thought that if, if only I could be discovered, then I'll feel like I'm worthy and, and, uh, you know, validated. Um, so I, you know, I jumped at the chance to, to be a model and and very quickly um the guy i had been interning for was like well let's just send you on a theatrical audition we'll make up a resume and just see what happens just see what the feedback is and uh so with my fake resume i went and auditioned for saved by the bell the new class and i booked it and um i just <laughs> they were like well if you're down let's just you know, see how far we can go with this. And uh, so I finished, I graduated from UCLA and uh, just kept working, just sort of waiting for somebody to catch on that I didn't actually know what I was doing um, and for, you know, my real life to begin and cut to 20 some odd years later, I'm still here. That's amazing. I wonder today with social media and so many streaming platforms and things like that, do you think it's easier or harder for someone to get noticed or get that big break? To be noticed, I think it's a lot easier. I mean, you know, uh, it, it, you, and that's kind of where the the distinction lies, right? Do you want to be noticed um, because you, you know, you like me have low self esteem and and think if you're just noticed, then that's the end all be all? Because there's a lot of people who just want to be noticed. They just want attention. They just want fame versus people who really want to be an actor. Um, because most actors don't make a lot of money. Most actors are excited for a callback, not yeah. even booking the job. Just, you know, just uh, just getting an audition is is kind of the highlight for for most actors. Um, doing community theater is a highlight for most actors. So figuring out that distinction um, is kind of key, uh, I think, because you know, with social media, you can have millions of followers and never book an acting gig. Or you can get millions of followers and 
you know, you get these opportunities and you decide you love it. Um, but there's no one one sort of linear route to getting in front of, uh, you know, getting on someone's TV screen or, or movie screen. No, for sure. That's a great point. So what advice would you give to someone that's an aspiring actor? Because at, at, at the end of the day, every aspiring actor dreams of having a career like yours with that kind of longevity. So what advice would you give them? To have other things to to not just fall back on, but have other passions. The more things that you're interested in, the more passions that you have, the more interesting you are as a human being. Thus, I think more interesting as an, as an artist. Um, I, and I think also when you only have one thing, you know, a lot of people feel like that level of make it or break it, desperation, all or nothing, you know, gives you a, an extra oomph, you know, for your drive. But to me, that kind of desperation leads to mistakes and leads to a panic versus a preparation. So um, I like to be, uh, you know, a, a jack of, of a number of trades um, and, and very, uh, a master of preparation for my craft. Um, yeah, cause it, it's just, it's kind of, I don't know. I, I think being so single focused and single minded in this day and age, um, can make you very one dimensional. Um, so I think it's, it's important to learn how to multitask, uh, not just in terms of your jobs, but in terms of your interests. And the more the more uh, the more of a global citizen you are, the I think the better actor you are. For sure, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you were in a lot of TV shows early on in your career, and then I think in a year and a half span, you had She's All That, Ten Things I Hate About You, Love and Basketball, Bring It On. I mean, that's an amazing run right there. And I talked to some actors who can pinpoint the day that their life changed because a certain movie came out, and then from that point on, they couldn't go out in public without getting recognized. When you started having that, you know, mainstream success, and people are recognizing you, and you're getting more roles, how did your life change? What was that like to go through that? Um, you know, it's interesting. We were just actually having this conversation about what, what it means to be mainstream. And, uh, for, I think for a lot of black actors and, and actors who come from marginalized communities, mainstream for us is having name face recognition within our own community. Now, whether that those communities are thought of as mainstream remains to be seen, but to us, our life changes as soon as our own community sees what we're doing. Um, uh, and then if other communities, you know, check for us, okay, cool. But like the, where it really begins to change is when we notice us. Um, and for me, that was probably around, oh, gosh, it's funny. Cause it's like seventh heaven. It wasn't like, I, I wasn't the star of that show. We were reoccurring. Um, but because it was based in the church that's kind of when it changed for me. And it was an Aaron Spelling show. Um, it was the first time I was paid well. And it was the first time I was on a show that had a large audience. And I, and I was, had the ability to be on more than, you know, one or two episodes. So that was around the time it first started changing. And then after Bring It On and mm, Bring It On and Bad Boys were yeah. probably the biggest shifts, I think. And then what, I mean, how does that affect your day to day where, you know, if you go out, you're expecting 
people to stop you and recognize you and i'm sure paparazzi start popping up you know how does that affect your day-to-day living um i don't think most the vast majority of most black uh talent we're not hounded by paparazzi uh, like randomly if uh if you go to certain places you know that they're going to be there mm. but they're not following you home in that kind of way so it's more of like people like real normal people and when camera phones got invented um around that time it wasn't so much for us paparazzi it was regular people documenting what you're doing in a club or you know um in any kind of social setting um, or at a party, that that became more of our like, oh God, like our life is changing and people are really clocking everything that we're doing. Um, like with camera phones and blogs, that's when shit really changed, like dramatically, where you're like, oh wow, like people actually care who I'm dating, people care what I have on, people care about all kinds of things I didn't think about before I left the house today, not matching or brushing my teeth. Um, so yeah. yeah, that was really, that's for us is kind of how it works. Cause the paparazzi thing is, is more of something that like more like white talent deals with um, than us. Huh. I mean, unless you're like Beyonce uh, or Rihanna, but otherwise, no, not really. Like you have to go to it to be like, Oh my god! I didn't even know you guys would be here. <laughs> yeah, outside yeah. Outside of you know a popular restaurant that is like a notorious paparazzi haunt. Okay, you can, you can avoid it if you want to. So you know I, what I mean, I have to ask then about that banana boat picture in moment because then you know that was a uh, something that blew up. Obviously, for people that you know maybe forgot, it was you, Dwayne, LeBron, Chris Paul. Carmelo Anthony was on the vacation, but he wasn't on the banana boat. Um, but everyone was talking about it. I think it blew up because everyone was thinking, oh, my God, these guys are going to play together and LeBron's a free agent and blah, blah, blah. So when that happened, were you surprised to see that become such a big story? No, because we were actually because we had seen paparazzi out in the like on the water. So depending on um, where you're at in the world and where you vacation, there's just certain places where there's more paparazzi that that are just waiting for anybody, um, not specifically you, but for anybody. Mm. And they're just out there and you see them in their little boats or whatever. So like in the Bahamas, in the South of France, it, you know, um, along the Mediterranean, you see, you know, schools of paparazzi along with fish. Um, <laughs> so we had seen them earlier and, uh, but we thought they were gone. So, cause nobody wanted to be caught on a, banana boat <laughs> um, because exactly it, it was exactly our our worst fears came to fruition um so when we thought they were gone we were like we should deny ourselves the fun of you know all of these like you know fun like water you know water toys and shit um so we we're like they're gone let's get on the banana boat and uh and so yeah so we me d and and Braun and um cp hopped on and had a ball but we sucked at it first of all the banana boats are notoriously the hardest uh like water toy if you will that to stay on um and we were flung up it was like it was like a like a rodeo and we were terrible cowboys um <laughs> and we landed like on each like like i landed on d d landed you know on the next guy um so, but we were like, oh, that'd be so crazy if somebody like saw us or like saw us fall. And then it was like, I don't know, maybe an hour before those pictures surfaced. 
So I don't know if the guy had like a laptop like on his little boat or what, but wow. those pictures came out like so fast. Um, but it was, we knew that there was a possibility that, uh, that our trip, parts of our trip would be documented, but that was all they caught, which is weird because or that's all that caught on, I should say. Yeah. Well, that's awesome then. You guys were you guys were doing something right if uh, that's the only one that really popped up and uh, got a lot of attention. But I'm curious about that dynamic. You know, you and Dwayne Wade obviously are married for people that don't know. But, you know, you guys are a power couple. What's it like, though, being in a celebrity relationship? Because every little thing ends up making headlines, you know, trending on social media, whether it's, you know, like you said, sometimes the blogs, sometimes it's just people who are curious about your relationship. I feel like that would be exhausting. <laughs> I mean, you have to be in the right relationship. I think, you know, with you and Dwayne, you guys do a great job of handling it. But does that present some unique challenges uh, in a relationship? It, you know what? I think for us at this point, we're, we're so used to it. I think earlier in our lives, um, maybe, you know, in our in our first marriages, it was it was more of a challenge because only one of us, you know, was, uh, you know, in the spotlight. And so that power and that, like that power dynamic, um, posed different challenges, I think in our first marriage, by the time we got together and certainly by the time we got married, um, we, it was kind of old hat and we were both sort of looking for someone who understood what it, what it's like to, to live kind of in a fishbowl, um and so i don't know so there's like advantages and disadvantages so there's i mean our lives are fun i'm not gonna say that we don't have fun lives and they're the upside doesn't outweigh the bad but it's more of like you have to understand your responsibility to the world um you know too much is given you know much is expected and if all we cared about was vacations and banana boats then it would it would probably be stressful and you would be like paying attention to every little thing that somebody said about you or your family or whatever. Um, but we're, we're trying to change the world. We're trying to, you know, bring equality and justice to as many people as possible. So it's kind of like in the larger scheme of it all, getting papped outside of, a you know, on the way to lunch is like, whatever, um, you know, dealing with banana boat stories for 10 years is like, whatever, you know, when they're like, uh, tell us about, you know, where you stand on police brutality. Tell us about like what you're doing, you know, to stop, you know, police brutality in Nigeria. You know, that's, those are, that's a bigger thing. And sometimes the weight of the responsibility part can, um, (laughs) can feel overwhelming, but, um, but luckily there's two of us to kind of balance that out, you know, as a, as the heads of our family. Um, Yeah. And it it is great to see you guys you know, being so outspoken and doing so many different things. Like, for example, you know, you speaking out about the toxic work environment at America's Got Talent. And, you know, recently we've seen other employees from other shows coming forward too and talking about different, you know, work environments and things like that. You know, I know you had told Variety that your goal is to help create a happy, high-functioning, inclusive, and healthy workplace. Do you think Hollywood is taking the necessary steps to head in that direction? (laughs) Um, well, <laughs> your laugh, you, you know, I mean, <laughs> you think they would because, you know, people are are empowered, more empowered, I should say, than ever to to speak up. You know, when you're when you're dealing with, with toxic workplaces cut to, you know, yesterday. Welcome to the Alex Kennedy podcast, which is brought to you by basketballnews.com. 
We post new episodes every week, so be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today I'm joined by the one and only Gabrielle Union. She's a terrific actor who has starred in a ton of movies and TV shows. She's married to some guy named Dwayne Wade. She also has her own hairline, Flawless by Gabrielle Union, a children's book titled Welcome to the Party, and Bitsies, which are healthy snacks for kids. Gabrielle, thanks for joining me. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. I appreciate you doing this. I know you're really busy. I want to start by discussing how you got your start as an actor. Growing up in Nebraska, when did you first realize that you wanted to uh, become an actor? Yeah, I'm still I'm still waiting to to, to discover that I want to become, <laughs> I want to become an actor. No, I, uh, I I grew up wanting to be a lawyer. Like my older sister uh, had dreams of being a lawyer. I, you know, as her little sister, I thought that was the coolest thing you could be was a lawyer. So uh, that's what I thought I wanted to do. And uh, I was at UCLA um, as a sociology major. Um, studying for the LSATs, and I got an internship at a modeling agency in LA. And uh, while I was at UCLA, and and when my internship ended, they asked if I wanted to be, you know, one of uh, their models. Um, and I was like, "What? You think someone would pay me to stand around?" <laughs> um, and they're like, "Yeah." Uh, you can make as much as a hundred and twenty dollars a day, and I was like, I'm rich, bitch. <laughs> so I, uh, I kind of, you know, jumped at the chance to, you know, to to try modeling because, you know, I've, as a, as a as a teen with low self esteem, I uh, I always thought that if if only I could be discovered, then I'll feel like I'm worthy and and uh, you know validated. Um, so I, you know, I jumped at the chance to to be a model and and very quickly um the guy i had been interning for was like well let's just send you on a theatrical audition we'll make up a resume and just see what happens just see what the feedback is and uh so with my fake resume i went and auditioned for saved by the bell the new class and i booked it and um i just <laughs> they were like well if you're down let's just you know see how far we can go with this and uh so i finished like graduated from UCLA and uh, just kept working, just sort of waiting for somebody to catch on that I didn't actually know what I was doing um, and for, you know, my real life to begin and cut to 20 some odd years later, I'm still here. That's amazing. I wonder today with social media and so many streaming platforms and things like that, do you think it's easier or harder for someone to get noticed or get that big break? To be noticed, I think it's a lot easier. I mean. You know, uh, it, it, you, and that's kind of where the the distinction lies, right? Do you want to be noticed um, because you, you know, you like me have low self esteem and and think if you're just noticed, then that's the end all be all? Because there's a lot of people who just want to be noticed. They just want attention. They just want fame versus people who really want to be an actor. Um, because most actors don't make a lot of money. Most actors are excited for a callback not yeah. even booking the job just you know just uh just getting an audition is is kind of the highlight for for most actors um doing community theater is a highlight for most actors so figuring out that distinction um is kind of key uh i think because you know with social media you can have millions of followers and never book an acting gig or you can get millions of followers and you know, you get these opportunities and you decide you love it. Um, 
but there's no one one sort of linear route to getting in front of uh you know getting on someone's tv screen or or movie screen no for sure that's a great point so what advice would you give to someone that's an aspiring actor because at, at, at the end of the day every aspiring actor dreams of having a career like yours with that kind of longevity so what advice would you give them to have other things to to not just fall back on, but have other passions. The more things that you're interested in, the more passions that you have, the more interesting you are as a human being. Thus, I think more interesting as an as an artist. Um, I, and I think also when you only have one thing, you know, a lot of people feel like that level of make it or break it, desperation, all or nothing you know, gives you a, an extra oomph, you know, for your drive. But to me, that kind of desperation leads to mistakes and leads to a panic versus a preparation. So um, I like to be, uh, you know, a, a jack of, of a number of trades um, and, and very uh, a master of preparation for my craft. Um, yeah, because it's just, it's kind of, I don't know, I, I think being so single focused and single minded in this day and age um, can make you very one dimensional. Um, so I think it's, it's important to learn how to multitask, uh, not just in terms of your jobs, but in terms of your interests. And the more, the more, uh, the more of a global citizen you are, the, I think the better actor you are. For sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you were in a lot of TV shows early on in your career. And then I think in a year and a half span, you had She's All That, 10 Things I Hate About You, Love and Basketball, Bring It On. I mean, that's an amazing run right there. And I talked to some actors who can pinpoint the day that their life changed because a certain movie came out. And then from that point on, they couldn't go out in public without getting recognized. When you started having that you know, mainstream success and people are recognizing you and you're getting more roles, how did your life change? What was that like to go through that? Um, you know, it's interesting. We were just actually having this conversation about what, what it means to be mainstream. And, uh, for, I think for a lot of black actors and, and actors who come from marginalized communities, mainstream for us is having name face recognition within our own community. Now, whether that those communities are thought of as mainstream remains to be seen, but to us, our life changes as soon as our own community sees what we're doing. Um, uh, and then if other communities, you know, check for us, okay, cool. But like the, where it really begins to change is when we notice us. Um, and for me, that was probably around, oh, gosh, it's funny. Cause it's like seventh heaven. It wasn't like, I, I wasn't the star of that show. We were reoccurring. Um, but because it was based in the church, that's kind of when it changed for me. And it was an Aaron Spelling show. Um, it was the first time I was paid well. And it was the first time I was on a show that had a large audience. And I, and I was, had the ability to be on more than, you know, one or two episodes. So that was around the time it first started changing. And then after Bring It On and mm, Bring It On and Bad Boys were yeah. probably the biggest shifts, I think. And then what, I mean, how does that affect your day to day where, you know, if you go out, you're expecting people to stop you and recognize you and I'm sure paparazzi start popping up, you know, well, how does that affect your day to day living? Um, I don't think most, the vast majority of most black 
uh, talent, we're not hounded by paparazzi. Uh, like randomly, if uh, if you go to certain places, you know that they're going to be there, mm. but they're not following you home in that kind of way. So it's more of like people, like real normal people. And when camera phones got invented um, around that time, it wasn't so much for us paparazzi. It was regular people documenting what you're doing in a club or, you know, um, in any kind of social setting um, or at a party that that became more of our like oh god like our life is changing and people are really clocking everything that we're doing um like with camera phones and blogs that's when shit really changed like dramatically where you're like oh wow like people actually care who i'm dating people care what i have on people care about all kinds of things i didn't think about before i left the house today not matching or brushing my teeth um so yeah. yeah, that was really, that's for us is kind of how it works. Cause the paparazzi thing is, is more of something that like more like white talent deals with um, than us. Huh. I mean, unless you're like Beyonce uh, or Rihanna, but otherwise, no, not really. Like you have to go to it to be like, oh my God, I didn't even know you guys would be here. <laughs> yeah, Outside yeah. of, you know, a popular restaurant that is like a notorious paparazzi haunt. Okay. You can, you can avoid it if you want to. So you know I, have to, I, mean? I have to ask then about that banana boat picture in moment, because then, you know, that was uh, something that blew up. Obviously, for people that, you know, maybe forgot, it was you, Dwayne, LeBron, Chris Paul. Carmelo Anthony was on the vacation, but he wasn't on the banana boat. Um, but everyone was talking about it. I think it blew up because everyone was thinking, oh, my God, these guys are going to play together and LeBron's a free agent and blah, blah, blah. So when that happened, were you surprised to see that become such a big story? No, because we were actually because we had seen paparazzi out in the like on the water. So depending on um, where you're at in the world and where you vacation, there's just certain places where there's more paparazzi that, that are just waiting for anybody, um, not specifically you, but for anybody. Mm-hmm. And they're just out there and you see them in their little boats or whatever. So like in the Bahamas, in the south of France, it, you know, um, along the Mediterranean, you see, you know, schools of paparazzi along with fish um so we had seen them earlier and uh but we thought they were gone so because nobody wanted to be caught on a banana boat <laughs> uh, because exactly it, it was exactly our our worst fears came to fruition um so when we thought they were gone we were like we should deny ourselves the fun of you know all of these like you know, fun, like water, you know, water toys and shit. Um, so we were like, they're gone. Let's get on the banana boat. And, uh, and so, yeah, so we, me, D and, and Braun and um, CP hopped on and had a ball, but we sucked at it. First of all, the banana boats are notoriously the hardest, uh, like water toy, if you will, that to stay on. Um, and we were flung off. It was like, it was like a, like a rodeo and we were terrible cowboys um <laughs> and we landed like on each like like i landed on d d landed you know on the next guy um so but we were like oh that'd be so crazy if somebody like saw us or like saw us fall and then it was like i don't know maybe an hour before those pictures surfaced so i don't know if the guy had like a laptop like on his little boat or what but wow those pictures came out like so fast. Um, but it was, we knew that there was a possibility that, uh, 
that our trip parts of our trip would be documented, but that was all they caught, which is weird because or that's all that caught on, I should say. Yeah. Well, that's awesome then. You guys were you guys are doing something, right? If uh, that's the only one that really popped up and uh, got a lot of attention. But I'm curious about that dynamic. You know, you and Dwayne Wade obviously are married for people that don't know. But, you know, you guys are a power couple. What's it like, though, being in a celebrity relationship? Because every little thing ends up making headlines, you know, trending on social media, whether it's, you know, like you said, sometimes the blogs, sometimes it's just people who are curious about your relationship. I feel like that would be exhausting. <laughs> I mean, you have to be in the right relationship. I think, you know, with you and Dwayne, you guys do a great job of handling it. But does that present some unique challenges uh, in a relationship? It, you know what? I think for us at this point, we're, we're so used to it. I think earlier in our lives, um, maybe, you know, in our in our first marriages, it was it was more of a challenge because only one of us, you know, was, uh, you know, in the spotlight. And so that power in that, like that power dynamic, um, posed different challenges, I think in our first marriage, by the time we got together and certainly by the time we got married, um, we, it was kind of old hat and we were both sort of looking for someone who understood what it, what it's like to, to live kind of in a fishbowl. Um, and so, I don't know. So there's like advantages and disadvantages. So there's, I mean, our lives are fun. I'm not going to say that we don't have fun lives and they're the upside doesn't outweigh the bad, but it's more of like, you have to understand your responsibility to the world. Um, you know, too much is given, you know, much is expected. And if all we cared about was vacations and banana boats, then it would, it would probably be stressful and you would be like paying attention to every little thing that somebody said about you or your family or whatever. Um, but we're, we're trying to change the world. We're trying to, you know, bring equality and justice to as many people as possible. So it's kind of like in the larger scheme of it all, getting papped outside of, a you know, on the way to lunch is like, whatever, um, you know, dealing with banana boat stories for 10 years is like, whatever, you know, when they're like, uh, tell us about, you know, where you stand on police brutality. Tell us about like what you're doing, you know, to stop, you know, police brutality in Nigeria. You know, that's, those are, that's a bigger thing. And sometimes the weight of the responsibility part can, um, (laughs) can feel overwhelming, but, um, but luckily there's two of us to kind of balance that out, you know, as a, as the heads of our family. Um, Yeah. And it it is great to see you guys you know, being so outspoken and doing so many different things. Like, for example, you know, you speaking out about the toxic work environment at America's Got Talent. And, you know, recently we've seen other employees from other shows coming forward, too, and talking about different, you know, work environments and things like that. You know, I know you had told Variety that your goal is to help create a happy, high-functioning, inclusive, and healthy workplace. Do you think Hollywood is taking the necessary steps to head in that direction? (laughs) Um, well, <laughs> your laugh, y- you know, I mean, <laughs> you think they would because, you know, people are, are empowered, more empowered, I should say, than ever to, to speak up, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with, with ho- toxic workplaces, cut to, you know, yesterday, you know, uh, Zoom dick is, is trending all day. Ugh. And I was, you know, I was busy all day. So like, I'm checking my phone, but I'm like, Zoom dick, like, what the hell is that? And so by the time I researched it, I'm like, are you kidding me? At what point in your day, sir? Like, what? (laughs) What? But if that doesn't tell you 
the kinds of things that people have been dealing with forever um, and how much more work that needs to be done. Like the, the, <laughs> the freedom that these fools feel that they have to harm and oppress and harass their coworkers is insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like every time I think we we've taken a step forward, it's like, nope, Zoom Dick is trending for 24 hours, and what the hell? Um, yeah. What are some I things? I definitely was looking at everyone on Zoom a little differently today, <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah, side eyeing people. Um, well, what are some of the biggest things you would like to see change? Um, you know, as far as what different shows can do, what different, you know, what what things need to happen on movie sets and not even just in Hollywood, but just in workplaces in general, what are some of the biggest things that you would like to see change? Across the board, you need to have more accurate and adequate representation um, of the global community. You know, um, pretty much every corporation, whether that be the NBA or Hollywood or, or um, Silicon Valley, like you're coveting a global audience, right? You want your consumer base to expand to that global level. But if you're, if the people in positions of power do not reflect that global community, you're not only making terrible business decisions, you're making terrible life decisions. Um, and the fact that there's so many of these industries are, are so rooted in patriarchy and white supremacy, it's, it's problematic uh, just in general, but you know, in terms of what's a good business decision, these are terrible business decisions. Um, if you don't, if you, you know, if, if the if the NBA um, doesn't have coaches that reflect the majority of players, you're failing. Um, if if the front office doesn't doesn't reflect the global audience, you're failing. If you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. If, if the marketing team, if the marketing divisions of of these companies don't match the global audience that you covet, you're failing. So there's 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 Fs to go around um, across all industries, just representation wise, and then what to do with bad a apples. You know what I mean? Um, it, it's not enough to to just call out bad behavior. You have to set an example of of discipline and of, of zero tolerance when it comes to people that have been allowed to operate with impunity for decades um, and who've, who've either failed sideways or failed upwards. There needs to be a real reckoning with poor, piss poor behavior and across all industries. No, absolutely. I totally agree. One thing I wanted to ask you, we've talked about this before, but you know, you and Dwayne have both been in the spotlight for years. What are the biggest differences between how you're covered by the media and how Dwayne is covered? And I'm not sure <laughs> if that's, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. I, I know we've talked about how, you know, there's been articles that say, oh, Dwayne Wade's wife. You never hear, you know, Gabrielle Union's husband scored 30 points tonight. But um, so we've talked about that a little bit, but and I'm not sure if it's just uh because Dwayne's a man you're a woman because it's entertainment reporting versus sports writing I mean what are the biggest ways that the coverage of you two differs <laughs> all of that of what you said to be honest it's you know as a as a female celebrity you know who's married to someone that's you know a very big light in his own right 
so much of my interview, like I could be on talking about voter suppression, right? I could be on, you know, uh, talking about healthy kid snacks like Bitsy's. And everyone's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Tell us about uh, how it feels to wake up <laughs> next to Dwayne Wade. I'm like, wait, what? Or even worse, talk to me about LeBron. I'm like, that's not even my husband. Like, like this idea that a woman can only exist in relation to a man, but a man is able to to exist good, bad, ugly as his own person. Like I'm only an extension of Dwayne, um, you know, just or something as simple as my husband never gets asked how he balances it all. Yeah. You know, women are always asked, you know, how you balance it all. If you work and you're an active parent, that's going to be a question that you're asked. My husband got full custody of his kids as a single NBA star and was never asked because there was never an expectation for him to have any balance. The expectation was he's an NBA star and that's good enough. And oh yeah, he also likes his kids on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Cool, that's enough. There was never that external pressure from the media, from society that is placed on women, uh, working mothers, to, you know, placed on on him as a working father. Um, you know, when he said, you know, in his final year, I'm going to take paternity leave to bond with my with my newborn, you would have thought that was the most radical act that that the world had, had ever seen. Um, and women, you know, are like, uh, awesome. You know, we've been doing that for yeah. a long time. Um, and perhaps if more men were celebrated for for daring to even ask for paternity leave, much less actually getting it in the middle of, of such a, you know, a, a publicized season, like, you know, a, a sport like the NBA, maybe it wouldn't be such a radical act to have parents bond with their children. But because guys never get asked those follow-up questions, um, you know, that's kind of where the, the conversations begin and end. And it is like so maddening. It is so annoying, but you know, I'm used to it, you know. Ugh. Yeah. Part of the course. So what's it like but waking I, I up next to Dwayne? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. For the day when he's 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 referred to as Gabrielle Union's husband, I cannot wait. I love I it. Cannot wait. I love it. Well, I, I do have one basketball question to ask you. It's about your playing career. When you were on the Tonight Show, you said that you were the Rashid Wallace of your high school basketball team, and that you got <laughs> a ton of technical fouls, which I love. You also mentioned that you once talked trash to an opponent's mother. Can you please share that story? Because that's amazing. Yeah, um, uh, it, it's funny how small the world is. Um, so uh, Coach Popovich's uh, daughter went to uh, this high school called Monta Vista in, uh, in, the, in the Bay Area. And um, that was the school we were playing when I, I trash talked. Her name was Melissa Cooey. I don't know if she's married or has a different name now, but her name was Melissa Cooey. She was a star point guard for Monta Vista High School. Um, and I, I just talked cash shit to her mother because um, <laughs> me and Melissa were kind of going at it in this very, you know, uh, hotly contested game. And uh, yeah, I was like, oh, you must be really proud of her. Are you, are you fucking proud of her? And my parents were mortified. <laughs> I mean, because I'd, I'd, I'd gotten many technicals in my day. Like I've not much has changed. I, I talk shit then, I talk shit now. Um, but that, like talking shit to a parent was, perhaps that was a line 
uh, too far for my for both of my parents. But um, that's next level. Yeah, no, I was I was very much the the Draymond Green for those listeners who are not as familiar with Rashid Wallace. Um, yeah, like <laughs> I just you know this is it, it, what was the point of playing if you can't talk shit. I love you know, it. Very much the Gary Payton Bay Area, you know, continuing on with that legacy of trash talk. <laughs> so from trash talking an opponent's mother to your children's book, uh, strange transition, but uh, <laughs> you wrote a children's book titled Welcome to the Party that was inspired by your daughter and the fact that there aren't a lot of books out there about non-traditional families. What kind of feedback have you received since publishing that book? Oh my gosh, it's been it's been overwhelming and and especially from older older folks and especially older people in LGBT, lgbtqia uh, communities who you know who perhaps didn't get the the love and acceptance and welcome in their own families but you know perhaps later in life uh, as they found their chosen families finally felt welcome to the party and there was just such an outpouring of of love and and support and celebration um surrounding the book just because it's it's it was a celebration of of um families that are created all different kinds of ways uh without showing a, a pregnant mother uh and then a a baby you know that, that comes from um you know the more traditional route uh because a lot of our families are blended and they're created through non-traditional means these days and they're not always celebrated um so yeah, it's been it's been pretty awesome to to get that kind of reaction. Yeah, that's really cool. I have to ask you this. I always uh, I'm always curious about this when talking to actors or people in Hollywood. Um, you know, you've obviously had an amazing career and had a ton of different projects, amazing projects. But what are some of the biggest roles that you've turned down or came close to getting, but then they went to someone else? Oh gosh, um, that I came close. There's not a lot I've turned down that that went on to be good that anyone would have ever heard about there was there was this 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 uh this show, there was this movie called josie and the pussycats based on a comic book oh yeah and i wanted that so bad and i just knew my life would change if only i would have gotten to be you know val the drummer i think she is in josie and the pussycats and it ultimately went to my girl uh, rosario dawson and i was just destroyed about not getting that part um and then the movie tanked and that was that <laughs> and, and i stopped and i stopped being so uh getting so emotionally attached to roles that weren't mine yet you know what i mean yeah well how weird um, how weird is that whole process auditioning i mean i I can't imagine. I mean, I, I've had to do some on-camera type stuff for like sports analysts, sports anchor type jobs, but that's not acting in front of a room of people that are emotionless. I mean, how how tough is that? I mean, obviously by now you're a pro, but like when you're first getting started, especially that has to be so intimidating. It, you know what's more intimidating is sitting in the waiting room mm. and you're with the competition. You're literally sitting with the competition and you're like, you know, looking at everyone and you're just thinking about how much better everyone is than you and you're like oh that person oh my god they just came off of this or this person you know has that movie coming out and oh my god i'm i'm underqualified i'm not cute enough i'm not talented enough like what the hell am i doing here and you almost want to leave you know leave <laughs> you know before you even you know your number gets called to go in there um and i always found that part just sitting not psyching myself out in the in the in the waiting room before i even get called in uh, to be the hardest part and not comparing myself 
to the other people up for the same job and just kind of looking at it like if this is for me is for me and there's no one better for this job than me and if it's not for me this time it has nothing to do with me my my turn will come um and to just put it all into the performance or into the you know the speech i have to give or, or whatever it is that i'm up for um and just leave it all out there and just kind of take more pride in the attempt than in the the you know whatever comes of it you know what i mean yeah. there's still auditions that i remember like i auditioned for a marvel movie um years ago one of the first marvel movies that came out and um i killed it i i murdered uh. I, it was so good um but i didn't get it but it almost like did it matter yeah um because to me the win was that i killed it and what ended up happening is i didn't get that job um but the casting director and the producers that saw my my clip ended up hiring me for something else oh wow that that ended up being more pivotal pivotal in my career than that Mar that marvel movie ever would have been so it all adds up you know what i mean if you put good karma out it comes back um you know it, it you should never compare yourself to the next person even though it's so hard yeah um and don't talk yourself out of jobs before you even have a chance to to go for it, you know? No, for sure. You never know. That's a great approach. Well, I appreciate you doing this. I have to say, you've you've always been one of the most down-to-earth celebrities that I've ever interacted with. You've been super friendly, super accessible, and I really appreciate that. I wanted to tell you that because, you know, not everyone is like you. Not everyone's like, oh, you know, super down-to-earth. I feel like you're, you're not one of those people that's like, oh, my time is more valuable than yours, blah, blah, blah. So I just want to say I do appreciate that. You've always been so great. No, no. And I appreciate you always checking for me. So thank you. And thanks to all your listeners. It's dope to be on. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Everyone, make sure you check out Gabrielle's hairline, Flawless by Gabrielle Union. Check out her children's book, Welcome to the Party, her Fit On app, and Bitsies, which are healthy snacks for kids. Also, make sure you're following her on Twitter. It's at It's Gabrielle U. And if you want to hear more episodes of this podcast, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening. Today's episode is sponsored by greensupply.com. With everything going on in the world, it's more important than ever to stay safe. At greensupply.com, you can purchase masks, hand sanitizer, and other important health and wellness products, which are all in stock with same-day shipping. Best of all, listeners get 10% off their order when you use the promo code ALEX at checkout. That's A-L-E-X for 10% off your order. They have KN95 masks, cloth masks, hand sanitizer, and other supplies like forehead thermometers and UV boxes. Visit greensupply.com today. That's greensupply.com.